0: Welcome to Mostly Books Meets. We're the team at Mostly Books, an award winning independent bookshop in Abingdon. In this podcast series, we'll be speaking to authors, journalists, poets, and a range of professionals from the world of publishing. We'll be asking about the books that are special to them, from childhood favourites to the book that changed their life, and we hope you'll join us for the journey.
1: I'm thrilled to be welcoming onto the podcast this week actor, performer, and activist Jill Nowder. During the dreary lockdown days of January 2021, Channel 4 launched It's a Sin. Set in London during the 1980s, it follows a group of gay men and their friends navigating life, love, and sex while the AIDS crisis builds and, although initially in the background, begins tragically intersecting with their own lives. For some, it was a reminder of those difficult times, while for many, it was an education. Either way, it captured the hearts and minds of millions. Our guest, Jill Nalder, a lifelong friend of writer Russell T Davies, was the inspiration of the character Jill Baxter in the series. Now, the real Jill has put her experiences into her own words. What emerges is a testament to love, to loss and to hope, and a timely reminder to fight prejudice whenever it rears its head. Jill, welcome to Mostly Books Meets.
0: Thank you. Thank you for having me. Lovely to be here.
1: That's all right. Absolute pleasure. Now, we always like to start by going into our guests' past, their, their childhood. Am I writing saying you were born in London, but you were raised in, in South Wales? Yes,
0: exactly. And my family moved to Neath nice in South Wales. Well, actually, Swansea, my dad was working with the uh, DVLA, so he got a job in Swansea. My mum ah. was Welsh. And so we moved. Out. I was about five, I think, when I moved down to Wales, and I grew up in Wales. Ever since. But my yes. mother was thrilled to be going back home because that was her where she was from. So yeah, so we made we made that
1: move. Yes, and, and I know in the in the book Love from the Pink Palace, you you mention it's Neath, isn't it? Is it Neath? Yes, Neath. Which is you, not which
0: is about like eight miles outside Swansea. So I always I normally okay. people are chatting to me, I say, Well I'm from Swansea because everybody knows Swansea, but obviously like
1: Okay, yes.
0: Actually I'm from the smaller place. <laughs> yes, that- <laughs>
1: That easy thing everyone does where, when people don't know the area as well. Yeah, just, exactly. You pick the nearest, largest place and go, oh, I'm from there. And so growing up for you, certainly you mentioned in the book that's beneath at that time, it was quite a, quite a small place. I think um, so. And, sorry?
0: It's a small place. I think so, in the, in the sense of a small town, small Welsh town. Yeah, it's, it, it just had that, that small town feel, really which in some ways that's lovely because you have a small community, you get to know people and then you have that kind of security blanket g- growing up because you are part of a smaller community, but then you get protected from what might be happening in the big cities. So yeah, so it's it's a two-way yes, thing really.
1: Absolutely. And and it seems like as well, that the idea of the bigger cities had quite a draw to you. I think you you don't appreciate the nice elements of growing up in a small place. You always think about Exactly. You know, you want to be in those bigger cities.
0: And you want the excitement. You think that's where it's all happening and you don't get much of, I don't know, the pop stars that you love. We're always doing concerts in London. and Things are always happening in London. Yes. And of course, they're not happening in Neath. And, and at that time, growing up in the <laughs> 70s, I was a big Donny Osmond fan. And there was no way that Donny Osmond was coming to Neath.
1: He wasn't stopping off in Neath. No, no big neath concerts exactly. for, for Donny Osmond. And in terms of in terms of reading and yes. and books, what what were your experiences growing up? What was your relationship like with with books? Well, my I
0: grew up. My mum loved books. My grandmother loved books. We I grew up with a love of books, actually, and I was taught very early on the the joys of reading. Mm. especially from my mum who who actually was a teacher and part of her she used to teach English and and she she herself loved drama and so I was brought up with that in the background all the time and my dad used to love a, a bit of a my dad never wanted tragedy, He always wanted comedy. But my mum so uh, he okay. he wouldn't he only wanted to read things that gave him a good laugh. But we were quite a literary family in in all ways. My uncle was mm. very literary. I mean not not highbrow, not like super academic or anything, but just with a love of books.
1: It sounds like a love of of stories, of storytelling. Exactly, exactly.
0: And the value of reading. I mean, for my grandmother, who was brought up in the depression in the Welsh Valleys with very little... Outlet to her intelligence, she wanted education, and for her education, for my mother, she wanted her to have an education, and that then spread on to me. So the value of education of reading was very in the forefront of what was considered important in in our family.
1: And are there any from that times? Are there any particular titles that stand out for you that, or particular stories that you you enjoyed?
0: So when I was a little, I mean, when you're talking like seven, eight years old, the go-to book for young people, children, was Enid Blyton. So I read all of them. Yes. I read everything, The Famous Five. I read The Secret Seven. I read The Mallory Towers, The St. Clairs. I read all those avidly, and I, I loved them. I mean, that, that was what I was – they were good stories in back in my mind. They were good stories, and about growing up, about – children about relationships and about friendships so at mm-hmm. that at under 10 years old I was reading all that stuff and then there was a book that I don't even remember the author of the Bobsey twins there was a Bobsey twins series and there was you know just just children's books that used to go to the library you were a library member so you didn't get anything online so we'd go on a Saturday morning and choose yes. some books and then choose them for the week and then go back the following weekend. So that was it was exciting actually going to a library. Of course when I only do that now if it's for reference. I don't go to the library to get a storybook out any longer. So but we used to love it as kids.
1: Mm. With libraries there's always that excitement particularly when you're young. There's it feels very grown up going with your card and yes. picking the book that you would like handing it over they stamp it. That's right. That always feels like a very exciting process i think
0: oh definitely definitely for, for that that was how we didn't and of course I, I mean you didn't buy books so much when you had the library to access because i suppose it was expensive for mm. parents to keep buying books all the time so we we would choose a book a week and that was the kind of thing that we did really
1: we're very lucky here in Abingdon. We have a great local library. We always say, actually, that for bookshops to exist, you need libraries as well. Because as yeah, you say, books are expensive, yeah. you know, particularly if you've got children that are really into reading. Yeah. My goodness, they read so quickly. So you can't be buying several books a week. You know, no. libraries are so important.
0: That, they are. That. And I love it. I'm still a member. I'm a member of the ones with libraries. So I've still got my library card. Oh, Yes. <laughs>
1: They're sort of community centres, really, aren't they? There's so, there's so much.
0: Yeah, they are. They're more it's all online and all that stuff going on there now. But
1: and uh, am I right in saying? Because of course, one thing that really stands out in the book as well is obviously you had a great love of performance from a young age, and that's obviously been a huge part of your your life up until the present day. Was there, in terms of the stories that were enjoyed when you were younger, were did plays, did theatre? Play a part of that in your family, or or was that just for you?
0: No, no, my mum loved it again. I think my dad did as well. And I mean, when I was very young, I suppose Shakespeare was our default kind of when you think about plays, because Mm. I would get taken to see Shakespeare because that was part of education. That was going to be part of school, so I got taken to the theatre. It's only when I found, and my it was a teacher in school that took us as a as a group of teenagers. I was I was fourteen to see Godspell at the local theater and that was my first real musical theater experience and and it overnight actually changed my life because I loved it so much and it opened the door into musical theater for me I didn't really know how that how that worked I didn't go I wasn't living in London so I wasn't going back and forth to the West End or I it was probably very expensive anyway so, so, what I saw in theater up until like my early teenage years were, were, would have been plays or pantomimes and then uh, after that i that was my, found my own way, and I found the West End and that chorus line and Jesus Christ superstar and all the things that were the just the musicals that I grew into musical theater that I absolutely loved mm.
1: and still love it's a It's a wonderful moment in the book actually where you talk of the excitement of getting that it was Mount View, wasn't it? It was Mount View Academy that you got the letter from saying that you'd been accepted. That must have been, I I must imagine that was such an exciting moment. It was
0: fantastic for me because that opened a door, you know, I'd actually done it. I'd gone to do my audition. I got accepted and that meant all things were possible to me then because mm. uh, until then, of course, I've been working with doing stuff with youth theatre and drama groups, and but it didn't feel like London. And I felt like if you were in London, no. then that was the right place to be to start to work in the world, and I thought, this is what I want to do. I, I think much to my parents' fear, because, of course, that's that is the same story for everybody, isn't it? It's a precarious living. So my parents were absolutely insistent oh, yeah. that I... Get my academic qualifications, at least to my A levels, so that as, as they thought, when it all horribly goes wrong, you've got your education behind you. Yeah,
1: yes, I did. A theatre was actually what I did my undergraduate in, and when I left school for GCSE, I didn't do A levels. I I went straight to do a a theatre course. Yeah. and I remember my mom had a very similar thing. Of she knew it was what I wanted. Very supportive. Was brilliant. Yes but was also very scared because I think for her, she was taught that everything would be about security, exactly, that exactly. you shouldn't have security. And I don't think people associate that with this No,
0: and they never will. And my dad was a provider for his family. And of course he was always like, get to whatever age. I was in Les Miserables in the West End. I was doing shows and my father would be saying, still, you could really think about getting a proper job. I mean, that's literally, <laughs> honestly, I mean, this is a proper
1: job. Yes, oh that must have been very frustrating when you know you've been up on a in a major show that you're no doubt very proud of and then there's your dad saying well one day you'll, you'll get a get proper, a proper job. job exactly
0: exactly what he was like and I think he just he loved it he did love it and he was very proud but he still had that that the the feeling that this isn't like loads of people get about theatre this is not real this is like something you you should yes. just now put behind yes. you into.
1: And so skipping forward to to the present day you live in is it South London you live now in Yes and in terms of in terms of reading are books still part of your life today are you much of a oh, reader yeah. now it's
0: all part of my life I w- would never give up on on reading ever I go through phases I like to have my full concentration when I'm yep. reading if I've got things on my mind I find like I can't use a book to switch off to my problems or to my issues or things that are going on I like to be clear and just to or on a train or something where I think I, I can't yes. be doing anything else. And I have done some studying over the years, did an open university and a degree, and I did that. And so then storybooks take a when you're studying, well, you'll know because you were in university. When you're studying, then your pleasure reading takes a back seat because all the time you're thinking I'd better study this, I'd better study that. So at times I yes. go through phases of reading for pleasure. I read for work. I read plays and stuff like that to educate myself for work. So, but definitely reading. I love it.
1: Yes. Is there any titles that you think of of a book that you've read relatively recently, say in the past year or so, that you have really enjoyed, that you've really Engaged with,
0: so I I had read a lovely book, which is where, where where I just read quite recently, where the crawdads sing, it's been making to a big film oh, yes. now, so everybody's read it. I know, so it, it was recommended to me, and I read that and I loved it. I'm reading, I'm reading the stand, I'm reading Stephen King, which I oh, don't yes. normally read. I don't get drawn to things that are going to scare me when the lights go out. But it it is a yes. really good book. It's like. And and sometimes they get into your head that if you're reading a scary one, you don't think so when you're reading it, oh. but then afterwards they haunt you. So sometimes I don't go, I don't mind a thriller, but sometimes for the supernatural things, I, I get a little bit spooked by that at times. But this Stephen King one is about a pandemic. Probably loads of your listeners will have read it because it's it's been out a long time. It just never came my way. And it's, brighteningly real in this state that we've just been through yeah yeah. but where the crawdads sing so you asked me what i had read that i found a a beautiful book i loved it
1: yes a lot of people that has been for us in the shop and i know elsewhere has been you know it's one of those books we always have in yeah it's been out now i think the book's been out now for
0: it's a while it's a while but yeah yeah but it's it's very evocative and i love books that have that Mm. I love books that create an environment that you can almost smell it. They the writer is the author yeah. is so brilliant that I can I can almost smell the air if it's talking about somewhere exotic. Like I like to read things about growing up in different countries. That's not my experience. Like I read I read a book about growing up in Rhodesia as it was Zimbabwe now called Mukiwa. That was a beautiful book about just a, just a different childhood. I love things like that. I read them um, Don't Let's Go to the Dogs Tonight about growing up also in Africa. So I love things like that. And yeah, the the God of Small Things. I thought that was fantastic.
1: Oh, yes. Yeah, that's that's come up before as a mm. as a favorite of people we've spoken to as a book that yeah, as that they've really admired and and they've connected with. And that's very interesting that you like these books that are about place that evoke oh, yeah. a place so well yes i love that it's it's like traveling but without the air miles yes
0: <laughs> totally i love that you say that it's it's totally like that and then you just want to go there and it, it inspires mm. me because I, I love to travel and then you, you it gives you ideas it gives you 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 carry it with you. Mm-hmm. you definitely carry books that you've read that describe places you carry that with you and i love that yeah
1: it's yeah i've i've always found that i When I was younger, I always had a a want to to travel and there was nothing more exciting than reading a a well-written book about the place. Because even if you couldn't go yourself, sometimes someone going, having experienced it and then writing it down so well, really does just kind of bring it to you, which I I think is such an amazing skill. It
0: does. They are are brilliant, these authors. and, And it is that amazing thing of, it's not like a travel journal. It's like you're there and that's the lovely thing about about, yes. about good writing. So it's a travel journals so you can read and you can't live it, but through a book like that, you can live it.
1: And of course, your life these days will reflect more on what's in the, in the book a bit sort of later on. But obviously, you know, the past couple of years, well, they have been for all of us with the coronavirus pandemic, have been very strange. But this last year for you must have been... A particularly interesting one with it's a sin coming out yes, it's kind of it's critical acclaim, but I more importantly it's the how it's affected kind of the general public. One wonderful thing I feel about it is a lot of young people my age or younger have watched it and it's been both very educational about a time that they may have heard about but they don't particularly, it's it certainly, as far as I'm aware, it wasn't when I was younger, but it's not necessarily taught in schools what, no. what went on. No, it won't be. Um, what's been lovely to see is across generations, across experiences, people have really engaged with this story, which yes. feels incredibly important. Anyway, sorry, I'm talking too much now. What What has that been like for you?
0: Well, it's been like, without being over dramatic, it has been quite a life-changing year because I've never experienced the Mm -hmm. sort of love and the the universal praise that it's a sin had and russell himself i've said this before russell was equally surprised because he was expecting he gets of course he gets acclaim and he was expecting acclaim and he was expected to be criticized about it and his choice and so he was surprised by the universal love that's come his way with the script and everything and It's a little bit Mm. like what we were just saying about inspiring the places. I think what Russell managed to do was get people to live the experience by watching it on on a drama. Suddenly people were actually, actually did love those characters. They loved the boys yes, and they felt for the boys because he managed to do that in the casting and the writing, which all came together. And so people really felt it, I think. That's, that's, I mean, I, I don't know that. I'm just... Supposing that that may be how people felt because people cried when certain characters lost their fight and laughed because Russell, if there's one thing Russell can do, he can give people a laugh. So alongside yes, the yes. tragedy. So he he's brilliant at doing that. So it feels, and of course, it's changed things for me a lot because I find myself on a platform accepting an award on behalf of Russell T. Davis and, and doing a speech that you see. You've seen a thousand times on the television. I'm very honored to accept this award. Suddenly I'm looking down at myself. Yes. And think, Is this me? I, I, I know the award's not for me, but I'm accepting it on behalf of somebody who's so respected in in our country as a writer that that i was very proud to do that
1: Mm, yes that must have been because obviously you know you've got your story out now with love from the pink palace as you and russell have been such long friends a lot of those elements made it into the tv show yes and yes it, it must be such a wonderful experience to see people sort of connect with those experiences so much i certainly know i think one thing that was wonderful about the show but also wonderful about the book as well, is that mixture of, it feels both kind of celebratory about the life you had. You had all these wonderful friends, you were doing exciting, interesting things, putting on these shows, entertaining one another. What I love uh, both about the book and about the show is this real sense of, yes, there's this very tragic story behind it. And also a very, a story that can make you feel angry because of course, of course, of the prejudice, what was being said in the papers and elsewhere, that's very hard to read. But as well as the dark, there's the light as well. well, And I certainly know for a lot of young gay people, seeing that show, there was both that mixture of sense of loss at who had been lost. But also I remember people saying (laughs) on the other side, how joyous the show made London feel at that time, for sort of young people exploring themselves and finding out who they were.
0: It's brilliant that, I mean, and I do, and I think that is how we felt. And I think that that is what seems to have come over because you're never quite sure when, what's going to come over to an audience as, as with, with mm. when it's a scene came out, I, we had no idea. So of course you, you filmed it and it's far more skilled people than me involved in the filming and the editing and all of that. But I was just, nervous to to know how it was going to be accepted and when you're watching it you don't know what's coming over to to complete strangers Mm -hmm. you have no idea so of course we're seeing what was that representation of our lives but it's so it's so wonderful that it's been accepted like that and people say exactly that thing it was a lot of joy and you identified with the characters and you wanted to be at the pink Mm -hmm. palace and all that kind of thing because because that was great. I mean, we just had a fantastic time there.
1: Yes, and of course, I imagine it must be so bizarre to see. Because you you say in the book how that greeting of "la" came from the West West Glamorgan Youth Theatre. Yes. So to suddenly see people wearing T-shirts with that on it's, and using that, I mean, what an experience! What an
0: experience! It's and it's crazy and and also then there's the, the this be more jill thing that was suddenly on t-shirts or masks covid masks be more Jill on them and i yes oh yeah. my god this i am now very nervous at where this is going because it all seemed wild and then you can't you can't imagine it you just can't and the internet has a life of its own doesn't it social media oh. there's, there's a things happens and you don't even know what's happening you've literally made a cup of tea in the kitchen and then somebody says sends you a thing saying you're a meme and i I had to even check what that was.
1: Yes, yeah. No, absolutely. I was, um, during the time It's a Sin came out, I was on Twitter, which is a very uh, interesting place to be. Yes. And for a good period of time, It's a Sin was the main, when you logged in, that's it's what everyone was talking about. And you know, people were sharing pictures of characters that they loved or talking about moments. People were talking about the, the history of the, the AIDS crisis. And it was wonderful to see because it, it really brought it to a national conversation. Yep,
0: yeah, that's um, definitely. And I, think yeah. I read,
1: and I think I read somewhere that HIV testing went up after the show, Brilliant. which is also wonderful.
0: It escalated in those weeks. There was an HIV testing. There was a, a week of it as a national thing anyway. And get yourself tested and raise then yes. the LARTI should raise money for the Terrence Higgins dress and all good. I mean, there was nothing not good about all of that because people look after in their health can never be wrong and just yes that that kind of feedback that was so incredible opening conversations i myself have had a couple of very moving conversations with family members of my friends that died that i haven't spoken to for years and that was because yes. of various circumstances the secrecy the the way that our lives went when when particular boy died we have come back together in such a way that I get oh, very wonderful. emotional about that because I know the boys would love it, and I know that I love it because I felt like you feel when you've known something about somebody's family member for years before they find out about it. You, you have a bit of a, a guilty feeling that you you were a party to information that you didn't share, and they might resent that. So yes. it's been wonderful. That's come out of it to sin for me personally, and all sorts of conversations have come out countrywide that I've heard about and I've had people say for the first time I've been able to acknowledge how my brother died, how my uncle died and it's mostly uncles and brothers because a lot of parents have passed on now and it's not universal either because there's still people who can't accept that. So
1: No of course it's wonderful that that opened up avenues for people to explore and assess their grief you know because I think that must have been harder at the time, with kind of the various misinformation, prejudice? Without a
0: doubt. And that stigma did not go. It still hasn't gone. So in the years, in the early 90s, the mid, well, it was the early 90s, AIDS was a death sentence. In the mid 90s, the combination therapy came in, but people still, that still had to filter through. So it's by the end of the 90s, and there was still a lot of animosity and secrecy and It's only now, it's only now that the people are really talking Mm. about it. And that's a platform that is because of It's a Sin.
1: Yes, because of the great charity work that's done. For instance, I know. So you're a patron of Sussex Beacon, is is that correct? Which is yes, the, I am. An that's ma-
0: that's a new thing. That's that- a
1: new thing. Yeah.
0: Uh, yes, it, it's a new thing for me to be a patron. It's not a new thing for me to be involved with the Sussex Beacon yep. because obviously the big gay community in Brighton, and that's where it is. It's outside yep. of Brighton, and I've done things down there with the cabarets and things for many years, part and parcel of show nights and. So it was not new to me, but it was very new to me to be a patron. So I'm trying to be a good patron, and we're yes. doing a, a fundraising event for them on the 14th of September. I'm on the Pride bus on Saturday. Oh, fantastic! Doing the fundraising because they've got a yeah, they've got a campaign going. They've got a, like, believe it or not, it's a Be More Jill campaign, and I oh I'm not goodness. wearing my Be More Jill t-shirt. Other people have to wear it. Because I said, I can't wear that because that just looks weird, me wearing <laughs> it. I'll be wearing my la t-shirt. Yes, and, absolutely. So th- and it's a fundraising exercise. So pride is what it is in itself. It's a charity. It's a, it's a awareness, all of that. So I'm thrilled to be doing that. Yeah, it's good fun and a worthwhile course. cause. Because they deal, I mean, tell me if I'm going on a bit, but they, they deal not- with the, not just the, the, the intensity of being told that you're HIV positive. It's not a death sentence. It's still life-altering and people have to think about it. But there's also mental health issues around Mm -hmm. people who had Mm -hmm. HIV in the past and they were told it was a death sentence and then now they live a a normal life but they have to readjust. So maybe much like coming back from a a war, the mental thing you have to deal with. So they deal with all that kind of thing as well as actual illness.
1: Yes. So that's wonderful. They're they covering the whole... They the cover whole...
0: everything they can. And they need money. They need money to do that. And the other things are, of course, just medication, side effects, aging, knowing that HIV and the, the mental... Because it's it's not an easy ride. It's a very perfectly way to... You, you lead your life. You lead a full life. You take your medication. But that's not easy for everybody. Some people sail through. Some people have different issues. Different health issues, so they're there to help all kinds of all kinds of people. People that are, have other problems, like they have a uh, drug drug addiction issues again. Yes. And HIV, which is again mental health. So
1: Well, this that's a good it's a good time then to say to our listeners, you know, if they're touched by the story in your book or it's a sin to go out there, find either their local sort of HIV related charities or to donate to the Sussex Beacon.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Anything like that, people can be helpful, can help in all kinds of ways. So yeah, brilliant. Especially if they're in that area. But as you say, your own areas because people will have their own care places, hospices centers all of it it's everybody needs money these days don't they everybody so whatever you can do is a good thing
1: absolutely Mm. yes yeah even a little donation it makes a huge difference at the end of the day
0: of course it does
1: of course it does so to i will pull us away from that for now because i'm interested to ask you what i always think is quite a big question but i'm always interested in how people answer it which is a book that changed your life
0: So I and I've thought about this kind of question because I think that some things they change your life in a small way or they can change your life in a big way. So I look at something like I think I read the Da Vinci Code, which everybody read, and it's not changed my life. It was a good read, but it's changed my head because I will never look at that picture in the same way again. Yes, every time I see Leonardo's Last Supper, I will see what is described in that book. And so, so I don't want to tell in case there's anyone who hasn't read it, but that, so that makes a little, there's little things from books make a difference, but the big, a big book that moved me hugely was the dark materials, Philip Less- Pullman's dark materials, fabulous story. Anyway, for me, I, I just engaged with it oh, from brilliant. the, the yeah. beginning. I engaged with it, but it became more and more about life and death and and i carry some of his thoughts with me about the meaning of the universe and dark matter and because it's a version of the way the universe is and he obviously has some he has a writer i don't know him in any way at all but he clearly has a fascination an interest with one of the mysteries of the universe mm-hmm. and i think his expl his explanation and that dichotomy between two worlds existing in parallel, parallel universes. And I think that anybody, especially when you've lost someone, anybody thinks, where are they? Yes. And his I find it very emotional that in the weeks after you lose someone, you feel like they are there but they're somewhere else. And and you carry that with you. And his description of the parallel universes, the worlds that run alongside each other, that where we are, where someone goes when they die, what happens. I've heard it described as an atheist version of heaven. And I think that kind of, I kind of buy into that. I know it's a fantasy in his mind, but it was a beautiful explanation of what could possibly happen. So I think that's changed my, I think I carry that with me. So in a way, that's changed my head.
1: Mm, Absolutely. I would say I read them. I always find it quite funny that they're technically considered children's books,
0: yeah, totally. I can't buy that. <laughs>
1: yeah. I read them in my 20s and I just thought they were absolutely yeah. extraordinary. The theological elements or the, the things about life and other universes, it, it's, it's just wonderful. And I completely get what you mean about that it offers this kind of view of the world that's quite, there, there's a great beauty in it.
0: There's a great beauty in it and, and it's a very good story. And I defy anyone who loved that book to not want their own demon at the end of it.
1: You just Absolutely. want
0: you just want your demon. And so you think and and you carry that with you as well. You think, What is my demon? What would mine be?
1: Yes. So he gets right into your mind. Absolutely. Yes, yeah. I've spent a good a good period of time wondering what what my demon would be because it, it supposedly reflects the personality and I'm thinking oh goodness I'd yeah li-
0: that's it I'd that's like to it. think it would
1: be this animal but actually would it be this anim- you can think about it for ages yeah I know
0: I know right it's it's a it's a they're beautiful it's not one book it's, it's the trilogy so it's marvelous I, I mm. loved it and I, I thought of that I think that's probably the one that has got into my head the most of, of books that I've read but it's far from the only one, obviously, because we all things affect us all the time. So yes,
1: yeah, exactly. As someone said on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, books. Each book, I think, changes you slightly. Sometimes in ways that you can't recognise at the time. So it's actually very every book. Yeah. does something to your brain. I think so. It could be very hard to pick one that you say that definitely changed changed me in some profound way yes
0: unless you're a person who's read when you thought yes I want that career then it's really like changed you full on but otherwise they are small steps aren't they 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 alter you in some way Mm. all the time as you've just said
1: that big moment for you would have been something like that production of Godspell, which you mentioned in the book as well. Well, that's it. Yes,
0: that's it. You see that that was something that changed my life because that opened a door to me that I didn't know really existed. And so mm. it wasn't it wasn't a book, but it could have been if in a, in another world for somebody else it could easily be a book. But for me, it was a theater piece. Yes, it was a show, and I suddenly saw young people doing something. I thought. Hello, I want that.
1: Yes, yeah, I want I want some of that action, absolutely. But obviously, in some ways, a book that I suppose has also changed your life in some ways is "Love from the Pink Palace." Came out in it was early July. Is that correct? So I think early.
0: Yeah, it came out. Well, it came out. It's been out two weeks, so it came out two weeks ago on Thursday. Apparently, that was the the books are published on a Thursday. I mean, it's been a whole eye opener to me the whole world of publishing and how it happens. I had no idea. How it all worked, and so so that has definitely changed my life. Yes, yet.
1: yes, yeah. I found that when I started book selling, yes, it surprised me to find out that yeah, Tuesdays or Thursdays books are published. They're not. I found that yeah. so strange that they have specific days that you don't. You'll never really have a book that's published on a Monday. I find that so funny? No,
0: no, no. So I thought, oh, well, I, and I love any little tradition. Now the theatres full of them, aren't they? Yes, so the theatre's yeah. full of these old traditions. So finding out about another world of traditions that I've read books but never knew any of the the way it works. So, and they've been fantastic. The publishers that that looked after me because they did because I was a complete novice, to giving me the guidance and telling me how things work and book signings, what actually is involved in a book signing, and all that kind of thing. Yes. It's been very exciting. I mean, it's it's an amazing, amazing, and I love to see the independent bookshops. I love that anyway, and to go in to the I went into a beautiful one in Edinburgh and find that these places exist and so to toppings it was toppings and it was very exciting seeing that world because of course I when I'm shopping for a book myself uh, I wander into waterstones that's what I will do and I'll see a local bookshop my local bookshop got lo- closed here in balham just on the back of the internet that went but there's a new independent bookshop opening here so that's fantastic exciting
1: oh, that's always wonderful to hear new ones opening because I think people think the narrative is of independent bookshops closing but we are seeing in the past year or so there's actually been quite a, a little boom in them which is really exciting to see really exciting it's
0: fantastic that and this one well, the one in Ballam is called Backstory. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. No, I think no, it's no, called no, Backstory. At the minute, they've had a stall. They've had a little stall in, in the marketplace, but they've got a premises and they're opening soon. So I I love that. I mean, I don't know how names I'm allowed to say. I've said them. You, you, I don't know if I'm allowed to, but... Oh, yeah, you are.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, no, no. We're, oh, we're, yes, yeah, so that's it. Yeah. We're fully support- We We see all other bookshops as friends, not not rivals. We're all part of a kind of... Well, it's
0: all part and parcel of the same cause, isn't it? Yes, exactly. All, if one independent bookshop's doing it, then it passes it to another area, because it's obviously your your own area that you can affect with that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And so, yes, it must be... I mean, what an experience to see kind of your story, your experiences now... I love the cover. The picture is, um, it's a picture you took. Is that correct? It's one of your own. It's
0: a picture I took. That is a party in the Pink Palace. That is my very good friend, Philip Lewis, who we call Pinky. Pinky, yeah. He calls himself Pinky when he's in drag. (laughs) And he has done a drag act in the in the pubs and clubs in Brighton. But he, he that's a very old photo, but he on the night of our launch he reinstated Pinky oh. and did a couple of did fifteen minutes at the Royal Vauxhall Tavern. So oh, he fantastic. he's been fantastic. And he he loves being a cover girl as much oh. as I love the fact that I've actually written a book. Yeah. on that.
1: No, I thought when I saw the, the in the back where they put all the details of the cover and when I saw cover photos And then your name. I thought, oh, fantastic! So I was hoping when I saw the cover originally, I thought I wanted it to be an original photo from the Pink Palace. I thought, oh
0: yes, it is definitely, definitely is. And and it was it was amazing by chance that that photograph worked because they went through a lot of photographs. The designer of the, the you're trying to find one. They want they they couldn't. I mean, what do I know? So I thought, can't you use a few photos and put them together? No, we want one photograph. And they, they chose that one. Yes. So it's worked out brilliantly.
1: It, yeah, it works perfectly. It really it's does. Such, yeah, it's such a great image. But yes, yeah, seeing your... How does it feel to know that people are reading your your words, your kind of life in from this it's, book?
0: It's sinking in. Yes. It's sinking in. It is really like I was at... Then we were at a party last night and we ended up doing a little bit of cabaret in there. Oh. And, and somebody came up to me and went, Oh, yes, you grew up, you're Jill, you grew up in Nice. And yes, you did this, you did that. And I thought, Oh, I no longer have to, they've read it. And that felt strange. Yes. That yes. was a little bit strange because I find people know something about me, a complete stranger. And I suppose that was something to get used to if people continue to read it. Yes. And it's an amazing feeling people say something. That you've said, and I get a little bit emotional about that, because somebody quotes you back and says something, and that has meant something to them. That is quite an awesome feeling, because Mm -hmm. I have read other authors' words all my life and thought, gosh, I love that saying, that quote, that thing, and suddenly somebody will say, you did, you moved me by saying that, or you made me think. That is an amazing thing for me. I'm getting Mm. used to the fact that that might happen. And a couple of times people have said it already, and I find that quite incredibly moving. Because you don't think what you say, I love love talking, of course I do, but you don't really think that you you affect people.
1: Right, yes.
0: And so if you do affect people, then that is quite a, a responsibility and a tribute in a way.
1: And it's, I think, the wonderful thing about having, you know, when you're talking with people, of course, your words can have an effect. But I think when they're written down, people can end up having a more personal relationship with them, because they can go back and they can read that segment again, and they can really think about it. So yes, yeah, your, your words are now in the same way you've talked about other books, they're affecting how people think. And that's amazing. For our listeners who can't see the video, Jill pulled her face there, which I felt, expressed a lot of different emotions at once about that idea <laughs> a, bit, a bit scary <laughs> yes <yeah. laughs> scary excitement there's there's a lot of yeah a lot of emotions there yeah and of course you know a wonderful thing about the book as well is through your it's a wonderful look at also kind of theatre and kind of performance life at that time which is really exciting to read about and that's but also through your words we're meeting these these people and some of these men or boys as they were who are going through this incredibly difficult time, who previously before this, were really only known to people who knew them personally, but now they're kind of their stories being being told. And there's there's a great there's a great power to that. At the time, certainly from reading this book, I get a great sense that from the newspaper headlines and what was being said, that these stories weren't being told. The humanity behind these no. people who were going through this this illness. An illness, like all viruses or illnesses, which aren't a reflection on the person, are simply a thing that you can catch. And yet, I don't know. There's a great power, I think, to telling these people's stories.
0: I think it's fantastic to me that you say that because that that was the thing that made me want to write it. Because I, when I was asked to write it, I thought, well, "I can't write. I don't want to write about my. I don't want to write about me." Mm. It, But I, but I did want to write about them. So I thought, well, that's a bit of a responsibility to them. And, and I love the fact that people ask me about them as if, not that they're still alive, but that they are, they are part and parcel of life going on.
1: Yes, absolutely. It's that, I mean, almost like you were talking about his dark materials. I think by telling someone's story, it, yes, it, it's part of a, an afterlife of sorts. If, if,
0: if. Incredible. Yes. It's it, it incredible. And that's, that's what I felt like a couple of times when people have mentioned names that, that have not been mentioned to me for years, like Juan Pablo, like Dursley. Well, Dursley gets mentioned more because obviously he was the theatre community here, and very successful in that community with yes. fundraising and everything. But, but the other boys, they don't get don't get mentioned outside of our own homes. So it's quite incredible that that is fantastic. And I think mm. they they would. I mean, they were all in the theatre. They all wanted to perform. So I think they would love that.
1: Yes. Yeah. I, I, there's a really there's a bit that particularly touched me. I felt in it's a segment, and I feel bad because I I've forgotten I've forgotten his name now. That's my terrible memory. But you talk no, about don't worry. you talk about being out with friends, and a member of the bar team asked, "Has oh, anyone yes. seen?" And the young Canadian dancer, I think, I think he's from Canada.
0: Kent. Yes, that's right, Kent.
1: Yes, and you know this this sense of that it wasn't just people necessarily that you were close to that you saw regularly and every day, but the great sense of loss of these people who were a smaller part of your life and who kind of just one day as you said, went home, which sounds like it. that term had a kind of a great meaning then, had a great weight to it, that they went home, that that had certain connotations to that.
0: Well, we were talking about a boy only yesterday. on on the again on the back of the book that we're talking about a boy that was in college with us who I didn't write about because I had to choose my my closest people I knew about to write about but his name was Sandy and he was one of those boys we that somebody I thought that this person I was talking to knew what had happened he thought I knew what had happened but neither of us actually knew because he had just disappeared and so it was only yesterday that we were talking about that and saying, gosh, yeah, he is one of those people. And, and I don't know to this day. I have no idea where he went to and what happened to him.
1: That adds to the sense of loss, that kind of unknowing, because it attests to the fact that because of the stigma, these things were hidden away. And as you were saying, it's a sin coming out has actually released some of those stories into the light and those, those people's stories can be told. But there are still some there that kind of remain in secrecy, as it were.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's, it's, it must be the only illness that's ever caused that to happen. It's a sin. It had a, a big effect in Ireland because they were, I mean, in Ireland, it was very difficult in the 80s yes. with the, if anybody was HIV positive. And that they their rules and the laws and Catholic upbringings and all that kind of thing as yes, part and parcel of yes. Of the whole thing, really. So it's very, I think It's a Sin had a big effect mm-hmm. over there.
1: And again, a great example that even though this story is told from a, a very UK-centred and particularly London-centred kind of story, sorry, It's a Sin and yeah. Love from the Pink Palace, again, it shows that even by telling that story, it allows people elsewhere around the world with different experiences to start talking yes. about their own and getting those stories out Absolutely. There going back to that i just found that particular segment very touching and there was a great description you had of of that sense of kind of losing someone that was not again not necessarily part of your kind of immediate inner circle as it were but was just part yeah. of the kind of ebb and flow of people kind of in your life and then suddenly to realize oh where has this person gone and and not knowing yeah yeah there's a great sense of loss That happened a lot
0: it's It's kind of weird, it's kind of like creeping up on you, that feeling that oh God, that's horrible. He's, we don't and we and we never knew what what had happened to him another person i couldn't find anything about where he is now, where he was laid to rest, nothing, I could' find nothing about him, so it remains in this somewhere in the universe, yes, we don't know where
1: yeah, absolutely, yeah, and there must be, and again, I think it's just a. It, for those of us reading it who didn't experience that time, it's also a, a great kind of testament to how much was lost in terms of mm. human life, human experiences. These wonderful, creative, exuberant people who had yeah. complex yeah. lives—they experienced love, they experienced loss, and all that—and how much of that was lost. How how much human life. Was lost:
0: well on a time. worldwide scale how much art and culture and how much of that was lost by the filmmakers and and the mm-hmm. Bro- Broadway yes. and the West End and the, the likes of Derek Jarman mm, and yes. what, what what they would have brought to the world there, there's a big gap in what what has been lost and I, obviously it's not all creative people that've that got ill with HIV but from in my world yes. that that was what I, I knew more about. So it, it was that, that kind of massive loss to the creative industries, fashion and art and
1: everything. Yes. Yeah, exactly. To think about, yeah, what, because I suppose when someone dies, particularly before their, before their time, as it were, or young, there's, yes. always, there's always that, a big part of the grief is the imagining what would have happened had they lived a kind of exactly. longer life.
0: Totally. And also on the good, on the positive side of the energy that people had when they were diagnosed and when they were. ill, of course, people wrote stuff and there were films and creativity in the theatre around the fact that there was people. There were people living with HIV and there was something going on. And so you got, we and my friends and, and associates, we got knowledge from what other people were writing and, and putting on, on stage. Yes, from. yes. With with things like The Normal Heart yes, and yeah. those plays and things that were around at the time, because suddenly there was a, a, a an acknowledgement of what was going mm. on, even though they were pretty scary, those plays.
1: And The Normal Heart was quite, that was early 80s that came out. So that was quite, you know. Yes, you know, right, of...
0: right, in, right in the beginning. I mean, yeah. it, was,
1: it was, yeah, it was a
0: frightening play to watch, but it, mm. nevertheless, it was something that was born out of the AIDS crisis.
1: And of course, interesting that the because the National did a production of the Normal Heart. I think was that earlier this year or late last year. I think. I think. Yes, okay. so it was
0: just very, very recently. And also, Angels in America. Yes, the, yes, the yeah. I, I remember
1: seeing that, and I was very, yeah, very affected by that as well. Well, it's it is it's a beautiful book. It's a it's a great. Oh, thank you so much. It's a great story. It's because what I love about it is obviously it's got the the core of it is about your experience of caring for these friends of getting involved in the kind of the activism the fundraising which is obviously a big part of your life today as well and of course you were one of one of the founding members of of theatre make a difference
0: yes and it became make a difference when I when I started with the the small group of boys that we started it with and, and, and some girls as well it was called West End Cares yes and that was on the back of Broadway Cares, Equity Fights AIDS. We didn't really have Equity Fights AIDS because we didn't have that same support. Not, not that Equity wouldn't support, but we didn't have the same need for money for treatment. Right, yes. Because obviously we have the National Health course, Service. So yeah. on in America, that's a very different thing. It was a more of a, a big financial crisis for people trying to get any mm. treatment for HIV. So we just stick, stuck with West End Cares. and And then later on, down maybe more than a decade down the line, Crusade stopped fundraising and we used to give the money to Crusade. And then we changed the name, it became a separate charity and then it was called Theatre Mad, which was Make a Difference. And then that carried on till lockdown. It's only lockdown really that, I don't know, people were raising money for different things. So that's put a real hold on it now and we, we need to see if we will probably fundraise now as a, doing separate things for other organisations like we're doing it for the Sussex Beacon. Oh yes, okay. Things like yes. that Terence Higgins Trust. Yeah, for the Terence Higgins. We're doing an event at the Vauxhall Tavern actually for the ter- for the Terence Higgins Trust as well. So we've got a few good fundraising things lined up.
1: Yeah, so it's so after the kind of the covid which obviously really did yeah. affect so much that kind of fundraising those performances are oh, yes. coming back so, now.
0: Quite rightly so as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, exactly.
1: Well, Jill, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. For our listeners, Love from the Pink Palace is available at Mostly Books, both online and in the shop. It's available in your own local bookshops as well for those listening from further afield, uh, particularly for those who loved It's a Sin. It's a wonderful read to read Jill's own words about her experiences at the time, but also just those for, who are wanting to learn more about what it was like to live through that time And to hear those very important stories, then we can highly recommend Love from the Pink Palace. Jill, thank you so much for joining us on Mostly Books Meets.
0: My absolute pleasure. Thank you. It's been lovely to meet you.
1: Lovely to meet you. Thank you. Yes, yeah, virtually.
0: Virtually, exactly.
1: All of the books mentioned during the podcast are available to buy from the Mostly Books website.
0: This podcast has been presented and produced by members of the team at Mostly Books in Abingdon. If you enjoyed what you heard, please rate, review, and subscribe because it helps people find us.